Rebel Force Radio presents. Incoming! No, no, no! Clone Wars. Declassified. So, this is where the fun begins. A roundtable discussion about Star Wars. The Clone Wars. Here we go. In laser collectors! Maximum firepower. Move! Move! All batteries return fire. Oh, yes, sir! Now it's time for Clone Wars. Declassified. All right, we're all here. We're talking Clone Wars right here on Rebel Force Radio's Clone Wars Declassified. It's a bit of a reunion of such. We've got my good friend and yours from Chicago, Mr. Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Yeah, we're running a little bit behind, but we're glad to be back to be talking about the second half of the, uh, what are we calling this one? The droids arc, I, I guess? I think that's what it's been called, yeah. The mechs. It's the droid, the mechs, the mechs arc. So we have missing in action and point of no return up for grabs tonight. And uh, really looking forward to getting into these episodes. Unfortunately, I've only seen missing in action once all the way through and point of no return about I wrapped that up about five minutes before we started the show. <laughs> it's been a busy week here at Rebel Force know, Radio I, Central. I don't know how unfortunate I would call that, Jim, actually. Um, we'll, we'll get into it, of course, as we do here. Um, but uh, also want to introduce the uh, rest of the panel. Here's a guy we haven't talked to in a, in a while. But we're so glad to be back with him, reunited with our buddy. Where's Curto? He's right here. On Rebel Force Radio, Clone Wars Declassified, Dan Curto, welcome. Hey, guys. How you doing? It's been, uh, been an interesting time, huh? It's yeah, Happy New back. Year. <laughs> good to be back. Well, it's Welcome good. back. Yeah, it's good to have you. And, uh, of course, rounding it out, just to make us look pretty, our pal from across the pond, from the UK, Mr. Paul Bateman, joining us. Hey, 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 hey. There he is. There he is. How the, do I make it look pretty? That's going to confuse me. <laughs> uh, I was hoping that would go right by you. Uh, but you know what? You're making us look pretty because you, you created that fabulous, fabulous logo for rebelforceradio.com. So, An instant icon. Yes. <laughs> Inspired by your brilliance. <laughs> I don't know about that. It, if you'd have listened to us, it wouldn't look anything like that. <laughs> I've already seen it on T-shirts. <laughs> That's why I'm yeah. not a sound engineer. You know, it's one of those <laughs> well, sort of situations, isn't it? Where, that's yeah, like right. You were saying about jingles. If I kind of rang you up and gave you advice about jingles, it would be, would be a bad idea. <laughs> I like to think hey, of you, know, you Dan, uh, singing them, though, Paul. Yeah. Singing jingles. Dan brings up a, a good point, though. We've already seen it on T-shirts. Yep. It was amazing. We launched the Rebel Force Radio official Facebook page last Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, before the day was over... Stuart Tullis, Shaz Bazaar, had a photo of him and his kids, the Shazlings, wearing <laughs> Rebel Force Radio t-shirts. He custom-made t-shirts oh, oh. based on your incredible design. Quick it was. It's like the... Because the, we made revisions, right? And like the, the, the I sent the finished logo to you, and within about half an hour, I saw the photograph. I was like, how the... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's things like that um, that... Just remind us why we do this sort of thing. So big thanks to Stuart for that. That, that, that support is just... Uh, it's all about the fans. It is. It's, it, it is. I mean, we're all Star Wars fans, and we all want to just sit around, talk Star Wars in our own way, using our own gifts, our own talents, and not worry about 
the BS. And that's what this is about. And it's kind of funny that we're talking about an episode called Point of No Return because uh, we were at that point and And missing an action. And (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute, where's Filoni? Get Filoni on the line. This is a setup. Yeah, many of these guys see these episodes. <laughs> uh, that's true, Dan. I, the, the the irony was lost on me on the first title, but uh, uh, no, I mean we 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 certainly um, understand that we're going to have lots of new folks in the audience, and we're so glad to have you. We're glad that uh, uh, you found the Clone Wars Declassified program, but we've also got a slew of folks that remember us from that old show that uh, the Clone Wars Roundtable that we did for Forcecast. And uh, so hopefully you found us and we're just going to kick off right where we uh, left you uh, before the holidays as we talked about the first two episodes of this uh, droid arc. And here we are with the last two. And I got to tell you, if you remember and you listen to the old shows, you know that the first two really left me cold. Did Missing in Action and Point No Return redeem them? I don't know. We're going to find out. We're going to dig into it. And I'm going to put Jimmy Mack on the hot seat because... He's only seen it one time, yeah. and he just finished the last episode. But, uh-huh. Jim, I couldn't really tell if you were as disappointed with the first two as I was. You seemed to be kind of on the fence a little bit. I would, I would categorize your uh, take on the last two episodes as probably less than, uh, less than good. Did these two episodes do anything to change that? Did they... Well, the first episode in this story arc, the name of which escapes me right now, it's was all about them trying to secure this encryption module. And I just felt like the whole thing was a MacGuffin. The encryption module, I knew, would never really come into play in this story arc at all. And I felt like the characters were definitely background characters and not really worthy of getting the spotlight, the individual spotlight for episodes of The Clone Wars. I'm talking about Gascon and Whack. I thought they'd be taking a real nice risk if they just featured Astromax and no English at all. That would be interesting, at least maybe for one of the episodes. But then those characters started to have a purpose as these episodes started to unfold. And A Sunny Day in the Void, I thought, was, was a little more interesting than the first one. But still, I just felt like, because the characters didn't really care about them, didn't care about what they were after, so it felt like MacGuffin's chasing after a MacGuffin. However, I, I, style points alone, these, these episodes have looked amazing. There's a great style to them. The music has been great. There's a lot of good going on with these episodes, but... At this point, season five of Star Wars The Clone Wars, we're looking for something to propel the overall saga forward. And this individual story arc, to me, feels like filler. I don't know how I'll feel about the entire thing after I sit down and watch all four episodes in a row. And that's how I think is the best way to judge these arcs on a whole, is to sit down and watch them one, two, three, four all in a row, as if they're mini-movies. And that's a good thing to do because you pick up on a lot of things that you might not have picked on, up on before. Now, that being said, let's move forward to these new episodes. Missing in action, 
Missing in Action. I really enjoyed that episode. I have to say, I really, really enjoyed Missing in Action because I liked the characters. I liked Gregor. And I believe it or not, I liked that Celestin Cook. Borkis, you'll always be dishwasher. <laughs> I, I, I thought there was a lot of style to the episodes, and I liked the, the city that they were walking around in and all the background characters that were appearing. One in particular I'm not going to talk about because I know Dan Curto is busting at the seams to talk about. <laughs> so I won't take that from you, Dan. But cool. I, enjoyed, I enjoyed these little Easter eggs that were popping up in this episode a lot. And I did like the story arc that Gregor went on. I liked how he had amnesia and it all came back to him. And I really liked how his character, you you would suffer with his character as he started to have the memories flow back into his head and you would hear the subtle sounds of war playing in the soundtrack. I thought that was a really nice touch as he remembered the horrors that he had witnessed and seen. And also on top of it all, Gregor is a Republic commando. And I just wonder because we talked to Filoni after Celebration 5 when they previewed a clip of some Republic commandos appearing in the Night Sisters story arc. They previewed that at Celebration 5. And there's just a brief glimpse of some clone commandos, some um, Republic commandos. And the place went nuts when those guys popped up on the screen because they're very popular due to the Republic Commando video game. Well, those were the characters from the game. That's why people went crazy. So we asked Dave. Wow, that reaction was phenomenal. But still, it was nothing more than a quick cameo from those clones. Will we be seeing them brought back? And Dave was like, no, that was really something just for the fans, just to... Just to give a nod to the Republic Commandos and everything. But here we have it. We finally get to see an individual Republic Commando in action. And the action sequences in the third act of this, this episode were just off the charts. Phenomenal. So I think that missing in action, while it might not have redeemed the first two episodes of this story arc, as a standalone episode, it really, really worked for me. Dan, you, uh, we haven't talked to you in a while. We actually haven't spoken to you since uh, Season 5 began. And uh, I'm just kind of curious, uh, what's your overall take on how the season's unfolded so far? We're at the halfway point. In fact, we caught up with Dave Filoni recently, as uh, we, we do typically in the uh, halfway point for the season. So how's it going for you? We've only had, despite 13 episodes, we've only had about three different storylines. Yeah, it's it's funny because I saw the premiere revival during Celebration Six, and I had been recording all of the episodes on my DVR, but I haven't actually sat and watched them until the holidays. Because I finally had time, I said, "Let me just treat myself. I'm going to stay up till three in the morning and watch the entire season." So overall, loved revival, but I had already seen it. Love the blue snaggletooth cameo, as you guys, I'm sure, have talked about already, mm-hmm. which was cool to get back to. Um, the Onderon four-parter, eh, kind of went on a little longer than I would have liked, I think. Uh, the gathering was fun. I thought that was kind of cool. But, uh, this episode, the, the D-Squad, if you will, um, 
by the way, the first episode was called Secret Weapons. Yeah, I've got that up here now. We got Secret Weapons and okay. A Sunny Day in the Void. I was wondering, is D Squad like a takeoff of uh, the D List? What's that comedian? <laughs> What's the name of that? I would, I would think so. These are background, background, background. Yeah, characters. so I mean, they're they're tipping you off that this is, uh, you know, these are these are not major players, right? Right, but do you? I just I was thinking of something when I was watching the last part uh, with all the droids being introduced. Do you remember way back when the show was beginning? One of the things I said I wanted to see was an episode featuring the mouse droid. Yes, that's correct. Here was the mouse droid. <laughs> yes, that's with true. The, along with and, the classic uh, iconic sound effect. Yeah. Right. But I mean. Having all of these droids in an episode like this, and it, I never saw the the classic droids cartoon show back in the 80s, the droids and Ewoks, never saw those as a kid. Still haven't seen them as an adult. But this is obviously sort of a tribute to that, featuring these droid characters. Um, but this is the kind of stuff that we were told in the very, very beginning of this show that we would see, is stories featuring these background characters. So it's not all about clones all the time. And... I kind of found myself missing the clones this season because there really haven't been a lot of them at all. <laughs> you, know, you know who I found myself missing? Anakin Skywalker. Right. Uh, right. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right? Palpatine yeah. slash Sidious. That's who I find myself missing. Well, they've, the focus has shifted to Ahsoka. And these these background characters, so we'll we'll get back to those because I mean, obviously, we're gearing up to episode. Well, that's three. what made the young Jedi arc uh, satisfying right. was because that we had Ahsoka, and it was actually furthering the plot of the series along through Ahsoka. So, Paul, even when you look at something like, say, the Mortis trilogy, for example, which had you know some far out characters, the father, the son, the daughter, they 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 sit, they certainly weren't. Um, called from what I would consider, you know, the film canon, yet its overall significance to where the series was heading, I think, kind of overcame that. In this case, I felt that you had zero significance to the overall storyline, and you had characters that seemed like they came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, when I, when I look back at some of the characters that have, you know, materialized as a result of the Clone Wars, and I think about... Was it Hu Yang, the, the droid? Right, yeah. the, the droid, uh, the teacher. Mm-hmm. And you look at like characters like Teresa Nubi back in, um, was it Lightsaber Lost? And Hondo mm-hmm. and, and characters like that that were, were very easy to like and you immediately kind of felt like, okay, I want to see more of, of these guys. But I think that's, you know, we get these cool characters as a result of the, the Clone Wars team kind of being prepared to be a little daring and do something unusual. You know, you wouldn't necessarily kind of, think like oh it's a great idea to have a droid as a teacher of of uh, jedi younglings but then you know when when they reach the finish line it's something very appealing and there's something really cool about it that you couldn't necessarily predict on paper you know and i think that the as a result of that kind of like daring kind of you know approach i think you can end up with characters like colonel gascon who, who just don't work in my opinion i mean i i just kind of felt like you know, there are all these wonderful characters in the Clone Wars that I'm very curious to sort of find out more about. I mean, Yoda, for one, you know, that bothers me a lot that we haven't seen a lot of Yoda apart from the very first episode of season one. Um, and I, I really had no interest in, in watching four episodes about a little frog dude. 
You know, well, so well, that was, was it, Let me ask you though, because because that I think that that's that's what I'm trying to get at is was it because he was a little frog dude, or was it because it was a story that really ended nowhere? You're not really yes. any better off oh, having watched fit. it in terms of you know where it, where where it took you. I mean. But I, I think I think the way the show looks so often kind of leads how leads how invested you become. You know, like you look at some of the other characters, like you know Hu Yang and and what have you. You know, and you kind of immediately kind of think, oh, they're interesting, and I'm curious about them, and you kind of you know mm. you you feel a connection to the character somehow very quickly. You know, I and see. yet and yet with Gascon, I just kind of thought cartoon frog. So yeah. so, so so you're saying that. Um, despite whether or not the, 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 the arc or the episode has some sort of uh, uh, significance in the way that the, the series is going, that the design can affect that. It can, you can become... Uh, well, I so, I mean, because, yeah. I mean, it is, you know, it's a, it's a visual art form, and I think that if you don't make a connection with the character, it's, it's hard to overcome, you know, that, that kind of visual disconnection. If you look at it and just kind of go, silly... You know, like, it, it's hard to get past it. I mean, I'm sure that some people probably thought, you know, Gascon was original and interesting. And, and, and I think it, it's necessary, like I say, you know, to, to get, to, to take these kind of chances to, end, to you know, because how else are you going to kind of come up with something original and new and, and iconic, you know? And I think, I think it's to be expected that sometimes it's going to maybe fall short, you know, in some departments because they succeed so often, don't they? I mean, I mean you've only got to look at Ahsoka to think, like, well, here's a character on paper where you would think, like, no way, is that going to work? Really? Well, Anakin's got an, got an apprentice and she's a young girl and she's going to be kind of like quite front and center a lot. How is that ever going to work? And and then you find yourself just like really being wrapped up in the, the character and is involved and concerned about her fate as any of the the you know the movie characters. So you know, I think it's just it's just the way it works. Some some you win, some you lose. I think. You know, Jim, I. One of the things that really baffled me was that we saw in the the episode leading up to to missing an action, um, a sunny day in the void. Mm-hmm. That was an episode we kind of joked that was sort of void of really anything, mm-hmm. and I don't think that, given the fact that they end up in Pond's aura, which looks like a very typical. Star Wars, you know, seedy underworld kind of Star Wars uh, city. Right. Um, all of a sudden, now I'm wondering, well, why did we waste all that time in the void if there's this city there? Well, there was a message to be uh, told in that, wasn't there? Um, the, the, the moments that they were spending in the void were moments when Gascon was looking into himself and sort of evaluate himself for the judgments he was making, i.e. his disregard of the droids, which he mostly had, and he was still coming to terms with that during his moment out there with Wack. And through that experience, he was able to learn to trust the D-Squad much more. So when they were finally reunited, they were in a much better position to see through their mission. However, does that all really matter? <laughs> does it matter? The thing I liked about The Void was it reminded me of THX 1138. When you make that kind of George Lucas connection, the Lucas geek inside me digs it a lot. Um, and I think, like I said, there's a lot of good style in these episodes. But all in all, 
at least for the first two episodes of, of this arc, they were mostly filler. And I would have liked to see them cut to the chase and get to Gregor in his tale and maybe stretch that out a little bit longer. Well, that, that would was be, a character yes, I liked a lot. Yes. And, and you know, what, what Paul was talking about earlier about, you know, you can overcome this, uh, you know, need for there to be, you know, some sort of uh, greater message or, or greater continuity uh, by having characters that really resonate. And the clones, you know, the, the, the advantage they have in the clones all looking alike and all sounding alike is that, okay, you got us. We like the clones. We dig them. And so you, all you have to do is introduce one of these guys, and we immediately have an affinity to them. And so, of course, they, they introduce uh, the character of Gregor, and there's instantly a likability factor there. And once again, you know, he might as well be wearing the big red shirt uh, <laughs> in, from Star Trek because he, I, I knew, I knew from the moment this guy was a clone... I'm like, here you go. Here's the sacrificial lamb. This guy is going to end up somehow sacrificing himself uh, so that uh, Gascon and the droids can can save themselves. I thought, I think, I think that they're running the risk with some of these background characters. You can just sort of get that sense when you're you're being set up to like this character because they're not going they're not going to go any further with it. You know, Greg will look like uh, Mungo Beobob. From the droid series at first, when he had the beard and everything, I thought, "Oh, cool! It kind of feels like that old, like Mungo Baobab." Yeah, he was one of the <laughs> one of the main characters from the, the show. That's his name. Did they make an action figure of him? Oh yeah. They did. And by they the did. way, that was my that was the name uh, of my second yeah. album, Mungo Baobab. <laughs> well, I don't think it was released though. <laughs> yeah, Steve Sansweet's got the Mungo figure, I believe. Yeah. Well, let me look in the book. Hold on. Right. Yeah, so look speaking in, of action in, figures, no. before <laughs> anyone spills the beans and, and talks about it, before Curto gets a chance to, Dan, why don't you go ahead and blow your load over the big <laughs> nod to the uh, Kenner Vintage days? I mean, I, yeah, I was going to get to that. But, uh, yeah, so the Sunny Day in the Void, not my favorite episode, but I really enjoyed the Jackson cameo, even though he was dead. But whatever. <laughs> I, I like that. Um, and that. Wrong period. Yeah, I know that, but the outfit was like, almost yeah. identical. Oh, sure. Um, but in this one, when I'm watching it, sure enough, there's Walrus Man sitting there spitting into the jar. Yep. And uh, I was like, no freaking way. So I stopped, rewind. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's Walrus Man. There's no <laughs> doubt. Later on in the episode, he's walking around the town. You know, there wasn't much going on in the town, but uh, he even had the flippered feet. He he did not have the flipper. He had the flipper. He did not have the flipper. He did. He did. I'm telling you. You just watched it. Roll back the tape. Roll back the tape. Four times. Yeah, but I kept rewinding that part. I kept rewinding that part. Go flippers. (laughs) And he's got the Kenner colors. He's got the Kenner colors. He's got a little bit of a pooch, you know. But uh, he does have the flippered feet. I'm telling you, you got to go back and watch when he's walking around. About halfway through the episode, they're walking yeah. through the town. Yeah, I saw that. No, I, I rewound and freeze frame because I was also looking for flippered feet. <laughs> it's there. I'm telling you, it's there. <laughs> you know, and, well, before we go further, yeah. Dan, anyway, I, yep. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for saying that the cameo was Walrus Man and not Panda Baba. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Panda Baba is a different character altogether. Yes, Walrus Man. Yes. Walrus we're talking, we're talking Kenner oh, Cannon. They've had Blue Snaggletooth, obviously, and I don't yep. know that character's actual name in the in the story now. But as uh, far as I know, this Walrus Man doesn't have a name yet. But 
I I know that Filoni said during Celebration Six he would love to get all of the vintage Kenner Cantina characters into the show. So we've already got the Hammerhead model. Mm-hmm. Those guys have been in it many times, and they've got Rodian, so we could have a Greedo model. I don't know. I don't want Greedo back, but you know, a character that kind of looks like that. Maybe and Greedo I, the Elder. They almost, have to, they almost have to make a new model because for it to be yeah. accurate, like the Kenner, it, it can't be the hammerheads that we see that we know as Ethorians. Right. He's really skinny. Right. He is. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Can I you imagine he takes some liberties. Can you recall any other Kenner nods in the, the entire history of the series of the Clone Wars? Well, the, well, the blue Snaggletooth I mentioned yeah, earlier. Yeah. I, I want to see a red Snaggletooth, too. Maybe that's like his brother or something. There's one more subtle one, and it happened in uh, the first story arc of season four, the Water War, the Mon Cala arc, and Admiral Akbar was using his vintage Kenner weapon, yes. the, the odd little stick, the staff that he had. Yeah. He was using that underwater. So those are three nods to the vintage Kenner line. And you said, Dave said, there's going to be more of that kind of thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. So during Celebration, I, I don't remember if it was at one of the panels or whatever, but um, word came out that he definitely wants to try and get them in there. Uh, you know, even if it's just walking around, you know, one of the cantina scenes or something like that that they have. Uh, it would be it would be great. I love the little nods. I mean, that made me just absolutely love this episode. And having Gregor turn out to be a clone commando, I love playing that game. Um, and you know, this isn't just your regular clone. This is like a super soldier in the, in the clone army. This is a super specially trained well, guy. He wasn't so super. He ended up with amnesia. Didn't remember who he was. Well, which by was the way, by the way, nasty battle. Am I the only one that remembers? Not- haven't we had? Haven't we already seen a clone go AWOL? No, we haven't. Yes. We haven't seen yeah. one, uh, you know, lose his memory, but we've seen one go AWOL in before. the deserter. The yep. deserter, well, right? Yeah. Right. So well, I, I don't know. It just felt, kind of felt like we've been there. While we're in the proximity of action figures, even though we've kind of moved on, what I'd really like to see, I'd like to see Boba Fett have his missile fire and, and hit somebody in the eye without going off. You know, like <laughs> you, you'll shoot your eye out. You'll shoot your eye out. Uh, uh, yeah, let, let's yeah, let, let that happen. I like that. Um, Maybe a Zillow Beast clone. They could, you know. But here's the thing. One. Here's the yeah. thing, Dan. Let's take. Let's 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 look. Let's declassify and look into the character of Gascon because, as we said on the last uh, time we were all together on that other show, we, uh, I, Stephen Stanton's portrayal of Gascon is is great. I mean, his the voice that he establishes. Um, the the uh, uh, the way he delivers the lines, the timing, all of it is just is great. It's a it's a study in in great voice acting and creating a wonderful character that seems so different from any of the other characters that we've heard Stephen play. Right. The design of the character itself is interesting. I mean, I love the, the the moment when he finds all the bombs on the on the on the cruiser and he's stuck to the window. <laughs> you know, his little <laughs> suction cup fingers, you know. I mean, it, it's a it's an interesting design. Um why do you think and I don't want to speak for you, but uh-huh. but but for, I think for most of us the character kind of falls apart. Why does it not work as a whole when some of those individual elements are are, are quite good? Well, it's it's not your typical character, obviously. Um, it, the design of Gascon is based on uh, some of the concepts for the Gungans. Was that a Terrell Whitlatch? Could have been both Ter- Terrell and Ian, I think. 
Mm. Ian McKeg? Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so. I'm going to go grab my uh, Star Wars Episode One Art of book. So excuse me for a second. Yep. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. So I mean, it's you're you're probably possibly thinking, you know, hey, that's kind of cool because it was, you know, based on, uh, you know, a film character. So mm-hmm. anytime you see a film character, that's sort of got a nice or something similar to it, anyway. Yeah. Um, I I actually kind of enjoyed the character his change over the course of these stories uh he, he was kind of pompous and full of himself which is funny because he's very small mm-hmm. okay so it's a nice balance right there and uh as he gets more through the void and went insane for a little while i mean you <laughs> fall down and you got nowhere to go but back up so he built himself back up got a little humble and uh, respected his 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 troops, which were these these four droids, and uh, you know actually f- had some emotion behind him when he lost BZ. Yeah, which yeah, he was know, just like, yeah, you're my ride. I don't care. Now he kind of does care. You know, it's interesting because here's what I think happens, and I, I kind of liken this to the ten. What was it? Uh, Eighty three, ninety nine. The sixteen years between. Um, for, uh, Empire Strikes Back and Phantom Menace, the uh, the 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 two three year gaps, the three three year gaps between the prequel films. Mm-hmm. When you have a story that's as tight as these these arcs are, when you look at them as individual episodes, what happens to me is I'll watch an episode and I'll go, ah, okay, that was that was all right. Uh, but you know what? I bet next week. I bet next week Anakin Skywalker's going to come rushing in, and then Obi Wan's going to come in. There's going to be battles, and Darth Maul's going to come jumping out the ship, and then Palpatine. Okay, I build this stuff up in my head, right? And the next episode comes, and it's the freaking void. Right. And I go, "What the heck?" And then the next episode, and I'm like, well, "Okay, all right." So that was the first two. Now the next episode, here comes Anakin Skywalker. Here comes Ahsoka. Pew pew. And then the next episode comes, and it's missing in action, and it's a little bit better. Uh, but not, but not, but not quite good enough. And that you know, so what happens? I think is that 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 span between the week where you're kind of filling in the gaps and you're thinking about it all week long, and perhaps you're doing a podcast about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, you start to build this anticipation, this hype. You start hyping yourself up. When what Jimmy said, I think, is absolutely true. And and we talked to Dave Floney this week. He says, look, these episodes, these arcs, are really meant to be watched. All together, that's the way that they're creating them. So I wonder if some of the dramatic intent uh, and some of the building and the crescendoing and the dynamics of the story are being lost. Paul, do you think they're being lost because of these weak laws that we're having in between? Would it matter? Would it make a difference? Yeah, I think it does make a difference. I mean, you know, like when when uh, I don't know. I mean, it can. Uh, there's always been an argument, hasn't there, between whether or not you know story arcs is the way to go and standalone episodes is the way to go. And I think it's very hard to kind of do a show that's a bit of a compromise. And I think they try and do that with Clone Wars, don't they? They try and make it sort of something where you can just tune in for a single week if you like, and it stands alone, kind of. Uh, but then if you want something kind of deeper and richer, you can you can sort of watch it for a few weeks, and there will be a continuing thread. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think everybody cares about different characters, don't they? I mean, you know, lots of people are really, really passionate about clones. Personally, mm-hmm. they leave me completely cold. I don't really care about the clones. They're not of interest to me at, at all. Yeah, um, You never have but, been a big fan of the clones. 
No, but 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 people love them, don't they? People do do mm-hmm. in, do really dig them, you know. And Feel I, very I think attached. It depends on what characters you really connect to. <laughs> I have Sorry, to say it. that I I was not a big big clone guy, but mm. I've really I've really turned around and I really started to care for them. And you know, when you flip it around the dial and you see episode three on Spike, and mm. you know you see Cody. And you're like, no, you're Cody. No, you don't do that. What? You don't do that. Well, then uh, tell Dave, mission accomplished, because that's what he said that's in right. 2008. That's what he was going to do. Going to make you care about the clones. Right. And he, he has. Paul doesn't care. Well, Car- Paul's a clonist. Okay? Paul is a clonist. Uh, a clonist. Uh, an anti-clonite. Um, <laughs> no, but you know what? I what, Here's what I love about Paul, your, your take is that I love that you come. You come at everything as if it's like seventy-seven to eighty-three. I mean that oh, that dude. that's what you you know you you cut Paul open and he just bleeds original trilogy. You know, and and I love that. And I and and I you know what? In, I mean, in Paul's eyes, that, they're the bad guys, right? I, yeah, I guess I don't know. I mean, I I, I I there are lots in the prequels that I that I do and like. There's lots in the Clone Wars that I love. I mean, Anakin and, and everyone for me are, you know, massively important yeah. as a result of the Clone Wars. You know, right. I love them every bit as much as, as Han Solo and Luke and all that. But yeah, I guess I guess I've never recovered from the fact that they're supposed to be bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> now I, I have to say when Not we yet. get when, when we get to uh point of no return and Jim, your your point uh, well seen as far as uh the battle sequences. I mean um, Gregor's sacrifice is dramatic and yeah. it's impactful, mm-hmm. and um, I I felt for him. I really did, and I just I was in awe of the courage that he displayed, and I also love that that was not lost on Gascon. No, um, and as a matter of fact, the little narrative that he was giving, courtesy of Stephen Stanton, as Gregor was meeting his ultimate fate. I mean, he was in an impossible situation, holding himself very well and mm-hmm. taking out a ton of those droids with him. But at the end, it didn't matter because you kill one droid, 20 well, more will take its spot. But we don't know. But, but, we don't yeah, know yeah. about Gregor. I mean, that, they do leave that door open. We don't they actually do. see him go. No, we don't. We don't. We, there, we saw nobody. Right. So um, it is possible... He escaped, but he was the center of that massive explosion. But you never know. That's you never true. know in these kind of stories. That's true. Right. I right. thought they left it open enough to where maybe we'd even see him in Point of No Return. But I'm glad they didn't bring him back for yeah. Point of No Return. And if they are going to bring him back, maybe some sometime down the road. But I'm glad he didn't come back in this very story arc. Yeah. I thought that the use, when they, when they finally get... Um on the uh, the Republic cruiser, I thought that the whole hologram thing was very cool. Something yeah, we had kind of creepy oh. before. It was no. creepy. Yeah, you didn't like it. No, oh. I did not like it. Why? Because that is very Star Trek. Holograms in Star Wars are are blue lights. Okay, always have been in the films. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about what the TV show does, but for this. It was, you know, holographic. I'm like, no, this is like the holodeck on the Enterprise. I'm like, what is going on? This is not Star Wars. This is Star Trek, which I like Star Trek. Don't get me wrong. So they're not photo real in Star Wars. They're not, no, right. well, it's, it's you know, kinda... they're blue little lights that, you know, are kind of jagged and, you know, incomplete. Right. It kind of reminds me of uh, as, as a kid when you had the TV that you had to fix the vertical hold. 
yeah, uh, button yeah, on the but TV. I mean, that's in all the films, the holograms, that's what holograms are. Yeah. Mm. This kind of broke that mold. There. Did anybody understand that? I didn't get it at all. Thought, yeah, what they- was the purpose of that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> We, we know in in episode four, it's like it's like uh, no life signs were aboard. Like they can tell from a distance, you know. So I mean, like you know, they they can tell if there's life on a ship or not. So it doesn't matter if they put. Yeah, and I guess by the time they got close enough to see through the windows, the damn thing had been exploded by then, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Who's looking yeah. through the windows? It's not like you can sneak up outside and peek through. Why were they carrying 28,000 buzz droids as well? I mean, they didn't know they were going to get bored with buzz droids. Oh, well, well, now, wait a minute. Now we're being too picky. Have we ever seen buzz droids? <laughs> <laughs> Since we're being now. too picky. All of a sudden, the line has been drawn. That's right. I draw the line at Paul's buzz droids. <laughs> oh, we needed more droids to have. Well, listen, have yeah. we ever seen buzz we droids? We had the island the of misfit droids. Have we ever seen buzz droids in the Clone Wars? I think we have, haven't we? Um, not not that I recall. Well, see, there's another testament to how you know visually impressive this show is because it, a lot of it runs together with me. Because another another especially observation the droids. was another observation I had was the Doug walking around in the the Void Planet City. Have we ever seen a Doug in the Clone Wars before? Yes, yes, in the, in the Godzilla episodes. So <laughs> the Zillow Beast. Beast. You know I what? Think my, in Hondos or in a cantina as well. Wow. So, my my son Michael said the exact same thing. Before we started the show, I said, look, uh, Doug, have we ever seen a Doug? And he said, yeah, yeah, they had a, a, a Jedi Doug. I said, a Jedi Doug? Are you, are you kidding me? Yeah, he f- flip his, he would hold his lightsaber with his feet. It's been a long time since I've seen the Zillow Beast episodes. Hmm. There's no Jedi hmm. Doug, is there? There's no Jedi Doug. No, 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 no. So he's, but he was right the, that there was a But that Doug takes place the, on the, on the homeworld, on the Doug homeworld, right? The Zillow Beast. Oh, They're all dugs. Mm. There you have I it. I kind yeah. of feel like with this, like a lot of, you know, I mean, just just what it occurs to me, you know, with Colonel Gascon, you know, because I didn't have that connection with the character, I almost felt like, why wasn't this just a droids only and and like make him three PO or yeah, something? Right. You know. You know, Paul. What what was what was bothering me a lot was it felt like a Lassie episode where he kept having to say what. What you say that the uh, they're all holograms, really? You know, I mean, it was like he had to interpret for the droids, right, right, and and, right. and somehow Timmy's caught in a well. No, and he's fluent in boops and beeps now. You know, uh, yeah. I, I love the lassie. I love the lassie. Wait, because but, if you come running up to Timmy. <laughs> what's that boy? <laughs> in trouble? Where? <laughs> Down by the creek. Let's go. Well, there was a lot of that, and somehow. Somehow they are able to write three PO and R two to where it doesn't feel like that to me. It doesn't feel like three PO is just reciting or repeating what R two is saying. He's responding to him, and he responds to him in such a way. It's written so cleverly that you know what what R two and R two is also very expressive too. I still think one day we're going to get you know we're going to get subtitles for all of R 2s dialogue, and it's going to be filth. He's Kenny. He does look yeah. like a trash can. He said that to 3PO. Wow. You know, <laughs> no wonder he, he gets annoyed with him, you know. It's like Kenny. How rude. Right. Yeah. Right. Kenny is R2-D2. <laughs> Not far off, really. Kenny Baker's no. probably cursing up a storm inside that thing. <laughs> oh, he probably is. There you go. Uh, but uh, anyway, okay. So the uh, the Radonium canisters. Now, now here's 
Okay, this is this is classic Clone Wars here. Okay, right where I think they've got an opportunity. Like, oh, there's a big conference going on of the uh, the Republic conference. It's a battle cry. So, so what, what's it going to be? You know, it was just kind of like the um, like Jim, you were mentioning about the the decoder. I thought, okay, maybe this is what they're going to use to decode maybe plans for the Death Star or something like that. You know, I, you, you build this stuff up in your head, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, oh, what's going on with this, with this conference? And then you've, you never really find out. You really don't know. The, the, the conference is, is meaningless. It's, um, it, it was nice to see Anakin and, and, and Obi-Wan uh, in an episode. But I thought that that was then going to take on some, some real importance and some weight. But, you know, but it didn't. Um, and it was so hard for them to kind of anticipate how a sh- you know how a show is going to be received and how it goes. I mean, because the the development time, you know, to to sort of do these characters and have no idea if it's going to be, you know, really really kind of well received or not. And then I mean, it's not like they can kind of they can follow through with something if it gets a really kind of positive response, is it? You know, they kind of they they try what they try, and then you know by the time it hits the streets, like they've moved on to something else. So yeah. Yeah, I mean it. it it's um, it, it's it's. I know it, it's difficult because there's the expect. It, what's fascinating to me is that the expectations, at least for me personally, my expectations for anything Star Wars related is is just off the charts. I go into yeah. every episode of the Clone Wars where there's so much possibility, and and, and and granted, you can't always live up to it. And when they do, they really do. I've always said about this show is. When they hit it on all cylinders, it's off the charts incredible. Um, but these episodes really, I think, overall fell flat. Now, at the end, we do see this attachment issue between Anakin and R2 come, come back to surface. But there's nobody there to call him on it. You know, I was kind of expecting Obi-Wan to be there rolling his eyes. Oh, Anakin, I can't believe you're going to go out there. Where's time looking for this droid? But... <laughs> You turned into Jewish Takai there. For Did a I? Oh, my. Yeah. Anna, can you imagine? <laughs> and now, a special episode of The Clone Wars. George Takai is Obi-Wan. Oh, my. Anakin. <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, go ahead, search well, after R2-D2. loves R2. They don't want to just leave him floating. Right, of course. There. No, I wasn't saying that. But but in order to be, I think, consistent Admit with it. This, when you saw him sitting there in the debris, didn't your heart just kind of beat first? Like, oh, I no. died a little inside, Curdo. Yeah. I did. But... Um, you know, in uh, 3PO wasn't there to donate his parts. Right. How'd they put him back together? Well, they had a whole assembly line of droid factory parts so they well. could build their own droids. <laughs> it, was, it was the Disney space station. See? <laughs> no kidding. Right. That space station was Star Tours. It mm. was. Yeah. Mm. What? Yeah. <laughs> the space station was modeled after the new Star Tours ride. You're kidding me. And included their own build-a-droid section. No, no that's some serious product placement there, my <laughs> friend. Droid factory. Oh, well, you know, awesome. Disney owns Star Wars now. So. <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> see, it's all one big happy family. Uh, I'm expecting to that. see an action figure set in the theme parks next year of all these droids, Gregor and and uh, <laughs> the little frog guy too. Why you know not? what? I, you know what? I tell you what. Despite my being pretty darn cold on these episodes, I would buy that battle pack. I would buy a D Squad battle pack. I yeah. kid you not. I absolutely would. Uh, why awesome. not? Why not? But um, 
I, I did think that it was really cool to throw uh, R2KT in there, but they, they called her QT. Right? Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder why. Well, R2KT has already been in the show in a background role. And right. plus, when you're calling but, everybody, but did, they, but did they call her R2, R2KT? R2 is R2. Uh, but they could have you called her I mean? Katie. They, they did. I thought they called her QT. Uh, well, whatever. I. Yeah. <laughs> There's no sure. whatever. There's no whatever here on Rebel Force Radio Clone Wars <laughs> yeah. Declassified well, I'm Curdo. I'm sorry. QT. Hi, Cutie. It's Cutie. Well, no, I get it. Doesn't I work. I get it. Katie, you know, obviously. Doesn't... Cutie Katie. I just thought it was interesting why, you know, why they didn't go with the R2KT. And I, and I, and I don't know. R2KT. They should have done R2KT. Yeah. QT, it's too cutie. Yeah. Go all the way, man. Go all the way. Yes, there. yes. Commit. <laughs> <laughs> But I did well, think that Loney the, the, says in the yeah. vignette that that's because that if everybody was calling R2, there already is an R2. If you look, all the droids have – they break the naming convention of Star Wars droids for every one of these guys except for R2. They're, they're all different names. It's not R5-something. It's not R4-something. Yeah, but I, I thought that those were the secondary set of letters. I thought it was R2-QT, R2-BZ, and R2-D2. Nope. What? Only R2-D2. The rest were something else. Yeah. Well, you know, as you can tell, I don't know their names because I didn't really care about them at the end of the day. And uh, that's, that, I mean, that's my criticism of the show. Uh, my son Michael put it best. He said, why is R2 hanging out with these losers? And He's still hanging out with these felt, losers? He's still hanging around with this loser? I didn't, I didn't like the p- talking pitroid as much. I couldn't stand whack. Yeah. I couldn't stand it. My, my, my son thought he was the same voice as Billy from Billy and Mandy. I did not have time to research these episodes. What you're getting with me on this particular uh, analysis is um, someone who's, like I said, I've, I just watched the episodes. I didn't dig deep into them and stuff. And what's cool about having this conversation is I'm picking up on a lot of things that I missed. So I'm really looking forward to going back and watching these one, two, three, four, just to experience that and see how it all plays out because I'm feeling a little negative about a majority of this story arc. I would say about 75%, maybe 70% of this arc did not appeal to me as a Star Wars fan. And I hate feeling that way. I want to dig deeper. I want to dig deeper beneath the surface and I want to know what sort of impact this has on the mythology on a whole because i always feel like i can find that connection and i'm failing to find it with this arc i think a lot of it is to do with you know i was talking about the design and stuff but i think i think that you know the the movements are designed as well as the models you know like the the walk cycles of the characters and stuff have an impact on how you perceive the character and i think i think that you know with the pit droid it had such a cartoony kind of gait you know, it kind of walked like Mickey Mouse or something. You know what? I'm glad you're bringing this up. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because something that, that really bugged me, especially about Point of No Return, was how fast these astromechs were moving about. They were mm-hmm. moving at like, uh, sp- uh, 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 um, what do you call those things that they ride through the indoor forest? The uh, speeder bike. They were moving around at like speeder bike speed. And it was really irritating to me to see uh, a gong droid in a full sprint. It just felt unnatural. <laughs> the picture it especially kind of for me, I mean, like, you know, getting to what you were saying about not really caring. I think the more cartoony the characters has become, the less connected we feel. 
You know, I, th- I think that when, when the character is designed to look like a cartoon like Gascon, you know, it, it's almost like, well, who cares? It's just a kind of like a cartoony character. It's not a real being, you know. And, and the same goes to the kind of walk cycle with the pit droid. It was so kind of bouncy and kind of playful that for me it was just like this is a very, very kind of cartoony character and therefore I really don't care what happens to him. You know, whereas if he felt more real, felt like a believable, you know, then, then I'd be more invested in his character. Yeah, I, I got to... I, I agree. Although I have to say that I thought I did feel for BZ, uh, not quite as much as I felt for R two, obviously at the end. But but I did yeah. feel for BZ, and I and I did get a sense of uh, the loss that Gascon was feeling, and then and that speaks to you know his his own little arc there uh, as he comes to accept the clones and or excuse me accept the droids uh, for you know being the the brave little soldiers that they are. And I think he realizes the sacrifice that they put in. And it, there was a lot of sacrifice. If you think about uh, going back to Missing in Action, you had you know, some sacrifice from Gregor. You also had BZ. You had R2. Um, funny, R2 is the only one that really survives because he has an Anakin out there that's not willing to let him just float around in space. Um, but, I, but when I saw the bunny droid, who's actually named Bunny. Um, <laughs> God. <laughs> I, I started thinking about Cad Bane because did did not Cad Bane excuse me did not Cad Bane have a bunny droid in a yeah, previous well, episode? Mm. Oh, he, we, you know, it was voiced I mean, by Seth Green, right? You know, Ed Toto. It's not a. It's, it wasn't a bunny droid. It was a different, smaller kind of droid, but it wasn't bunny droid. It wasn't bunny, a bunny droid, droid. Has been in the show before. Oh, oh yeah. bunny droid from uh, Doctor Vindy. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Vindy, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's where we saw the bunny droid before. Yeah. Well, okay. the, quite honestly, the bunny droid has become something of a commonplace droid to be seen in the Clone Wars ever since season one. So yeah. appearances by that thing have not been so rare. But this was the first time it really carried on with such a role in the spotlight and actually referred to itself as bunny. Yeah. Which you know, did not, you know, what doesn't, grown, doesn't right? sit well with me. Doesn't, well, it's that's kind of like, isn't there an, isn't there a, uh, I think there's a, there's a new book out there that has a Gamorrean guard named Piggy. Oh. <laughs> this is true. This is so, true. Well, so, you know, they, it's an older book. It's an older book that has the Piggy. But, you know, so. Bunny, to me, there's only one Bunny in the Star Wars universe, and he's six foot tall, oh, and his God. name's Jackson. So. <laughs> and he's dead. He's a and pile like, of bones uh, I, on the like void. That, that was the father of of Jackson, that was not oh. Jackson. Jackson Jr. the Elder, I understood. Jackson the Elder. Jackson the, oh my God! Here we go. Wee. I feel kind of so, bad for ragging on the episode so much because there, there was, you know, I mean, it's the things that are really important to you is a kind of viewer, a character and plot, and you know, obviously, we all kind of seem to have felt as though, you know, it didn't quite come together for us. You know, well, it didn't come together for us, but, but. At the same time, you know, like the environment, you know, I looked at the environment and I remember one of my earliest complaints about Clone Wars when they were first kind of getting on their feet was, you know, I wasn't too convinced by some of the environments and I wanted a sense of place, you know, of of being somewhere real. And I kind of felt that despite the kind of surreal quality of the environment, I felt like it was a very real place. I liked all the kind of decay and damage and, you know, that that kind of Mobisy kind of, you know, um, heavy metal kind of vibe to it. I, I, I really dug all that. So even though it was kind of strange at first, you know, I thought, well, it's original, and it felt like a. No, they were trying something different, which I think is well, to my, be praised. My my, yeah. my my hang up with the void was that 
my first thought was that it was some sort of mystical place that it was that it was actually uh, like Mortis, well, right? Like Mortis, but not quite as you know, yeah. quite as important. Um, more like uh, maybe in uh, in Star Trek lingo, the Nexus or something, where things were just kind of weird and flux, and and so that to me would have been a little bit more interesting than it just literally just being a big desert with his, with a little town in the middle of it, because then it just kind of made me think that the whole previous episode, like I said earlier, was kind of a waste of time because. They got to the town, and it just looked like, you know, your typical Star Wars town. Well, it's it's funny because Paul mentioned that the environments have gotten better. That's I actually did sit and watch all these episodes back to back. Okay, because like I said, I hadn't watched them until okay. until the holidays. And I have to say, if you compare like the original episodes to like the Onderon Plaza. Oh, it's ridiculous. They've gotten so much better. So many more characters walking around. I mean, it just like, wow, this is incredible. They always like to put that that generic bald Mandalorian guy. Yeah. They always <laughs> like to put him in the background no matter where they are. They just sometimes you know might change the color of his outfit or something. But he was uh, definitely heavily populating the uh, city of Isis on Onderon. And then I spotted him sitting on a bench when the... Uh, the D squad was walking through the city on the void planet. And uh, well, yeah, they keep bringing him back. They, they always <laughs> use the same masks in the movies and there's always some extra that keeps turning up where he shouldn't be. So right. you know, that's not true. That's true. <laughs> Maybe that's they have where's Waldo game while you're watching. Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah. Spot the bald Maybe Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Maybe they've got millions <laughs> of character assets, but they're just not using them because they're trying to stay loyal to the films, you know? Yeah. But when we <laughs> spoke with uh, guys, when we spoke with Dave Filoni earlier this week, uh, he said, playtime is over. I think that's what he posted on his Facebook page. And so we've got some really interesting things to look forward to, starting off with Eminence next week. And uh, I'm very excited about that. I, I, I would like to just sort of turn the page on this. Although I, I have to say that um, I might not have been quite as critical of this of this arc if it would only been relegated to maybe two episodes. I thought yeah. four episodes was just way way too drawn out for this because it's Especially the end with of the, the break in between, right? With a, right with the break in between, I, I I think that I would have been totally fine with them just leaving it as they did at the end of a sunny day in the void. But since R two was there, um, they really needed to sort of bring it full circle. And that's another thing about this was that here you had R two playing second fiddle to some really, uh, you know, background characters, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Well, that just amplifies my son's statement. Why is R2 hanging out with these losers? <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't have all the good lines. It was interesting to see him uh, do his, uh, his patented uh, oil slick um, spray and followed by, uh, you know, lighting them all on right. fire. I mean, that, yeah, that whole sequence but- was... How did you guys feel about? Yeah, but we did. We, I saw that. We saw that already, though. I, I didn't. I didn't really feel too good about well, it. Well, well, well. Technically not, Jimmy Mac, because you see, this takes place before episode three. Uh, <laughs> so actually, this would have been before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, so can, we, I can. I can't. I still can't roll with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see what you're saying. Yeah, we've seen it, but you know what? Here's the thing. Had he not done it, we'd have been like, "What the heck." Can he just spray his oil and then light these guys on fire? <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. You're right. You're right. God, you're right again. You know, you know, Dave's saying that already. Kind of go, guys. Yeah, right. Um, you guys can't. I just can't please you guys. What's going on? You guys, you're just too critical. No, actually, you know what? 
Uh, that's what makes Dave so great is, uh, you know, you could be walking down the convention hall and you, you know, see Dave Filoni and you could say, hey, that sucked. Why'd you do that? And Dave will sit there and go a couple of rounds with you, you yeah, know, you know and he, it's, it's amazing. The guy has got skin oh, so it, thick that by the end, by the, by the end, by the, by the time he explains it to you, you're like, no, that was awesome, man. That was yeah. awesome. <laughs> but I, I thought, like, you know, in, in, uh, in um, Secret Weapon, in the first one, when I saw uh, Teresa Nubi, I was like, oh, wow, they're bringing him back. And then it was like, really? That's it? He's gone? Oh. Yeah. You know, I really liked and responded to that character in Lightsaber Lost, and I really hope they bring him back for something. Yeah, I would love to see him back. I mean, he has, like you say, Paul, he has appeared in, as mm. uh, sort of a background character in uh, at least in one episode. Speaking of background characters, you guys caught... Uh Admiral Tarkin, right? Yes, I thought that was him. Um, Admiral he Tarkin. He got promoted. Yes. Uh, I wonder if he is... Uh, wouldn't it be interesting? What, where was he in this episode? He was, uh, he was at the... Uh, come on, Jimmy Mac. On I mean, the ships or he was on the station? Yeah, no, yeah, he, he, was, he was... He was saying, like, why the heck are the holograms in that? Yeah, yeah, he was on the, he was on the station. <laughs> I, he noticed them. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> It's like, wait a minute, this is Star Trek. Get out of here. Yeah, right. <laughs> the sensors are telling me there are 80 million buzz droids on the other ship. I'm not quite sure why, but... You know, people are like, we got to evacuate. He's like, evacuate. In our moment of triumph. But, you know, it made me think. It made me think, because we have not seen... We brought this up on in our interview with Dave. you have to check that out on the, uh, this week's episode of Rebel Force Radio. But y- you have to see that... Or we, we asked Dave, why... Why no Yularen? Where did Yularen go? And now we have Admiral Tarkin. Wouldn't it be interesting? Wouldn't it be interesting if Admiral Tarkin took the place of Admiral Yularen? And we started to see how that relationship grew. Mm. I mean, uh, give, give me an episode about Tolkien rather than an episode about a frog. That would be brilliant. Well, wouldn't it be? <laughs> wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be? Priorities. Priorities, um, but uh, that, that's that's a good point, Dan. And, and it was a very brief cameo. Did he have a line? Did he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He said something about the holograms. I think he said something about the ship coming in too fast, or something. No, Anakin yeah. says the ship's coming in too fast. Yeah, but they were kind of noticing it. Hmm. Mm. To go like, back, hey, but, yeah. that ship's coming right for us, duck. But there was no close up on him. You only saw about a, about a like a mid shot of him. Yeah, it was quick. So it was kind of one of those things, blink if you, and, you, and you miss it, as evidenced by Jimmy Mack. I know that he was there. Stop it now. Come on. I'll be ready to go next week. Trust me. Hey, it ain't what you been on vacation? Podcast and, two podcasts in one week. Give me a break. I'm going to say, well, it occurs to me, thank you to all the nice people online who've been really positive about the design stuff, because it's been really really sweet to have people you know be enthusiastic about it and well you deserve it you deserve it man i mean uh putting that no putting that together you you know you guys out there uh listening you don't know what we put paul through in the development (laughs) of the rebel force radio logo and i know i'm a better person for having gone through it but um it's one of those things where you go yeah you know what let the uh let the designer just do what he does best and design you just why don't you just talk into that microphone okay that's all you. That's what you do. Now you'll have to have uh, another one for this show. Yeah, well, we'll have to get something going on. But uh, yeah, Rebel Force Radio is uh, is uh, is the brand, and of course, uh, during the Clone Wars season, we'll uh, be releasing these 
Clone Wars declassified episodes, and we'll be here as long as you're here listening. And um, I'm really excited about Eminence. Uh, we got Darth Maul returning. If we yes. recall from the uh, the trailer, the, the incredible trailer we saw at Celebration 6, we know that we're going to see some Palpatine saber action going on. We know that Palpatine has got his eyes uh, his Sith red eyes set on Darth Maul and Savage Press. He's got to take them out because they're a threat. Because only two there can be. Mm-hmm. Only two. Isn't and this going to be the first episode where we get a new voice for Palps? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think all indications uh, are, Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, that we probably still have, uh, luckily, some of uh, Ian Abercrombie's uh, wonderful work still in the can. Yeah, I think there's, uh, without a question, we uh, still will be having episodes featuring the work of Ian, but I wouldn't be surprised if you heard maybe a line or two that was a little bit out of step with the way Ian played it. I'm sure whoever they bring on will be extremely talented and perfect for the role, and as we know, when we saw Revival, there was one line that was punched up in there, and we have our suspicions about who that person is who voiced that one line... (laughs) <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, there still is some work uh, from the late, great Ian Abercrombie still in the can. going to wrap it up here on Rebel Force Radio's Clone Wars Declassified. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a good time and I agree with Jimmy Mack. These conversations good, bad, indifferent always make me want to watch more. And uh, I certainly want to go back and rewatch these all together. In fact, I'll tell you, they did this with the Night Sisters arc from last season where they put out the DVD where they kind of put all the episodes together into sort of a, a proper let's say 80-90 minute format or what have you Yep. I kind of wish that they would do that on an ongoing basis at StarWars.com you know I'd even sacrifice being able to watch the episode week by week if they would then at the end of an arc edit them all together so I could see it the way Dave and his crew had intended. And that's a, that's a question I want to ask him next time. Didn't have a chance to ask it this time, but are they actually creating these episodes kind of all at once? I'm wondering. Because I think they're really looking at it as opposed to four 22-minute episodes. I think they're really looking at it as one big 90-minute story. So it might be kind of interesting and, and might explain some of the things that we're seeing. But anyway, this has been a blast. So grateful to you guys for staying up with us. Paul Bateman, I'll tell you what, I love you, man. You know, I think, I think this, this, like this new venture and the, the support of all the people that are out there are just kind of getting behind it. It's just a real testament to our film style with fans all, all over the world. I think once you, once you kind of once you're on the same side, everybody sticks together, don't they? That's right. Hey, Paul, where can folks find you online talking about Star Wars and all kinds of other stuff? What? 
right here. <laughs> well, well, of course, right there, right there. But where else? Where else? I know you're on. You're on Twitter. You're on, you on Twitter. Yeah, you can find me there at uh, at Paul RMQ. There you so, go. Is there, there an underscore in there? Um, I don't think there is. No, it's just at Paul RMQ. Okay, you can find him on Twitter. Tweet Paul your questions and uh, shame him for being an anti-clonite. <laughs> Paul RMQ. RMQ standing, of course, for Ralph McQuarrie. Don't forget it. By the way, Paul, you want to listen to our interview with Dave Filoni this week because he uh, references uh, Hu Yang and how he went back and he looked at some early Ralph 3PO art to kind of see where he might discover Hu Yang and how he uh, he came about. So interesting stuff, as always, from Dave. Make sure you check that out. Dan Curdo, my gosh. Hey. It's been too long, sir, and uh, so glad to have you back, and it's great to be able to talk Star Wars with you once again. Yes, sir. Very happy to be back. It's uh, long overdue. Even if we have to deal with your class schedule. Well, you know, you are you are you going to graduate for God's sakes? Because because if you remember back in the day, I would always be sitting in my daughter's dance class, waiting in the parking lot, talking to you guys. And now, uh, yeah, now I have my own <laughs> karate class. Karate, karate. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Dan, where can folks find you these days? Oh, pretty much everywhere. Uh, I'm <laughs> on Facebook mostly. Uh, I'm a huge nerd. Uh, Facebook dash slash dcurdo on twitter it's uh at dan curdo uh of course i'm on the curdo burns collectors cat and uh while while we've been not able to talk much um i've joined part of a group called the force united which is a collection of various websites that uh are working together which is kind of an interesting concept huh and uh anybody involved with that i'm contributing to their sites so sandtroopers.com jedi news Jedi Temple Archives, Yak Face, you, you name it. So what you're fun. saying is Dan Curdo gets around. I get around. And then I've been working on this little book, too. Yes. A whole the other book. Thing. The book. <laughs> I need to become more Dan Curtis. He really gets around. <laughs> yeah, that guy. I don't like that guy. <laughs> Dan Curtis. By the way, Dan Curtis has a goatee. So he's, ah, he's the evil, yes. evil Dan Curdo. Another Star Trek reference. No, actually Knight Rider. Remember, remember Garth and Carr? I don't all right, all right. Sorry, Garth, guess, guess Garth I'm, I'm on an island. Yeah, Garth was the was the evil Michael Knight. He oh, had okay. like the little he had the little soul patch. Oh my god! All right, fine. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> anyway, great to have you back, Dan. Uh, Jimmy Mac, final thoughts on missing in action and point of no return. All right, Jason. Final thoughts on the second half of the D Squad arc. Point of No Return, hey, you know what? We thought Sunny Day in the Void sounded like a Pink Floyd song title. Well, guess what? Point of No Return is a song by Kansas, so there's a nod to all you classic rockers out there. Oh, yeah. Quite honestly, I felt Missing in Action was uh, the best episode of the arc. The uh, city on the Void planet and all the inhabitants, I really liked them a lot. I'll talk about my likes first. I liked Gregor and his fateful final battle. I liked the struggle he went through as he as he, he tried to reclaim his identity. I, I really enjoyed his story arc, as brief as it was. I enjoyed the nods to uh, THX in this arc back uh, when they were wandering the void. It felt like when they were wandering the void in, uh, 
in uh, the city that uh, THX lived in. Uh, seeing R2-D2 in action, a lot of good R2-D2 in action. If you're a big fan of seeing everyone's favorite astral mech do his thing, you certainly got a keeping helping of it with this entire story arc. I thought the overall sound, style, music of these episodes was phenomenal. It was beautiful to look at and listen to, especially that exploding Republic cruiser. I love seeing the mouse droid and, of course, the Kenner walrus man. And much to Kyle Newman's chagrin, Kyle, who was texting me after this episode aired, I did like that Celestin chef, Marcus. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a sucker for that gruff Russian accent that we hear pop up prominently in Star Wars audiobooks. It was kind of funny to see it pop up in these episodes. Now for my dislikes. Oh, my dislikes. Well, the focus on a fifth-rate character like Gascon. However, I did love the acting by Steven. I didn't like the character very much. I felt like he had few redeeming qualities. He didn't really have any skill sets. He didn't do anything that really you expect from Star Wars. We kind of put these guys on superhero pedestals, and that's where I kind of like them. He went through his own hero's journey, and I can appreciate that, but I felt he was too small, too cartoony, too slapstick to be a major player in Star Wars universe. And, uh, you know, I did run away mid-episode here, uh, as we were discussing. Um, I did find my art of Star Wars Episode One, and... The, the look of Gascon is based on Jar Jar Binks concept art by Terrell Whitlatch. You can find it on page 72 of that awesome book. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's old Gascon. He's not wearing any clothes in this particular sketch. But it's a, it's a, a pencil sketch uh, drawn in 1994. So they never throw anything away at Lucasfilm. And I think that is cool. Back to the uncool, I thought the droids were rather slapsticky, like Gascon. I, I felt their mission was um, irrelevant. They were uh, chasing something the audience didn't care about, known as a MacGuffin. Wait a minute, I cared about it. I thought it was going to be Death Star plans. It wasn't. It wasn't, and I knew right away that it that was going to be an irrelevant MacGuffin, and I thought the characters were also re- irrelevant. So in essence, they were MacGuffins themselves. MacGuffins chasing MacGuffins. I don't know where I fit into that whole thing. I loved missing in action, but I felt the rest of the episodes were fluff. Kind of disappointed that we had some lackluster episodes for our first episode of The Clone Wars declassified, but I'm... Happy to be saying that we see Darth Maul returning next week in what in what promises to be incredible episodes with Death Watch and Savajo Press, and I think those will be episodes we'll be talking about for a long time. And I'm also happy to announce that we will be back on our regular schedule. Yes, we are running a little late with uh, this episode of Clone Wars Declassified. I usually like to have these episodes out to you to listen to a few days before the next episode of Clone Wars airs. So we'll get back on that schedule. Be looking for Clone Wars Declassified to show up in the Rebel Force radio feed Wednesdays or Thursdays of every week. Happy to be in our new home. Happy to be reunited with Dan Curto. Thank you, Dan, for giving us our new show name, Clone Wars Declassified. That's from the mind of Curto. You're welcome to it. Also known as A Sunny Day in the Void, by the way, the mind of Curto. <laughs> oh, boy. And, of course, I'm always grateful for the wonderful friendships and partnerships of my insightful, intelligent teammates, Paul Bateman in London, and, of course, 
the fabulous Jason Swain. Nuke Gunray not in this episode. That's it, guys. We'll be back next week to talk about all new Clone Wars. Looks like the episode is Eminence. We'll see you next time. Love you all so much. For Rebel Force Radio, Clone Wars Declassified, I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Matt. And remember, the Force will be with you always.